0: Good morning, good evening, wherever you are, and welcome to episode 52 of the Cloudcast. We're coming to you live from an undisclosed location. (laughs) <laughs> and we're here today to talk to the guys from Bromium again. Um, it's been uh, actually exactly 10 shows. Uh, episode 42, uh, we spent a lot of time kind of peeling back the onion and really learning a lot about it. And right now we're, we're ready to really take that a step further and, and actually talk about the product and what it is. And so with that, we, we welcome back to the show, Tao. So, so, Tal, say hey and tell everyone a quick introduction. Tal Klein,
1: I am uh, <laughs> Senior Director of Products at Bromium, and uh, I also clean up Simon Crosby's messes.
0: There you go. And <laughs> the man making the messes, I guess, right? That's right. So, let's Simon, go ahead.
1: <laughs> I'm Simon Crosby.
2: I'm
0: uh, the CTO of Bromium. There we go. All right. So, let's just start off with, with what is the product officially?
2: Well, at, um, at Gartner Security and Risk Summit in London, we launched our product, vCentry. And it is the first, um, but it delivers a phenomenal change in the ability of enterprises to deal with determined attackers. Mm-hmm. So its its specific goal is to deal with enterprises that are being targeted by advanced persistent threats. If you think back to the RSA attack of uh, last year. Um, you know, these sort of large enterprise attacks and what it does is it, it um, introduces this new architecture which is core to everything Bromium uses so we're basically using hardware virtualization to isolate untrustworthy tasks and um, it also adds profound new insights into the nature of ongoing attacks in the enterprise so these are attacks that are completely undetectable by traditional uh, endpoint security systems and our goal is to defeat the unknown attack and so by defeating an attack, we mean it's not going to get in, no matter what. It's going to get thrown away, no remediation. And um, more than that, the enterprise will get full information in real time that will allow it to protect itself in depth. Very cool, very cool.
0: And, and yeah, I, I just uh, received a demo of the product. Very, very cool. Uh, it, it it does some amazing things and kind of watching the the status uh, of all the micro VMs kind of be be created and be destroyed and... It it's really is a very very cool product, and so Tal, we were we were yeah. actually just talking about a little bit earlier about you know the whole concept of this really helps you protect even from like zero day exploits, right? Well, and, that's, and, that's and the, tell me a little yeah. bit about that.
1: You know, the whole idea is that uh, you know without without picking on the security industry, I think that that there's it's become this sort of monolithic thing, which is a, a race to detect, right? It's like a race who gets the signature first, and, and there's actually like bragging rights between all the you know, the various antivirus companies about who released the, you know, who found this, this Trojan first and who found this APT first. Our perspective is that in order to, for it to be found, somebody has to be attacked and hacked, right? Somebody has to be compromised. It took, took them, what, two years to find Stuxnet? And uh, I think really what it comes down to is we, we built an architecture that is secure by design. And by that I mean, you know, it's not designed to be secure. The architecture is is secure. So what happens is when I assume I go into it with the assumption that every task will be compromised. And if you think about the world in that context, then you start to really be able to be creative and disruptive in that I can tell you, the end user, go do whatever you want while ensuring that all of my corporate infrastructure is secure and protected. And not that we're talking about corporate
2: infrastructure, not just the security of the endpoint. Right. So it's important that in the event of an attack, not only is the bad guy not get hold of your data on the endpoint, but also they can't do what happened, for example, to RSA, which is use the a compromised endpoint to get into the infrastructure. Okay, so, you know, because that's the first thing the bad guy does is just use a compromised desktop to get to, oh, the private cloud. <laughs>
0: right, right. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and think about it this way, too. It doesn't matter even sometimes if it's a zeroed exploit. We were talking earlier. It's like, well, you know, my laptop, for instance, I've been on the road for two weeks straight now and, you know, haven't probably VPNed into the corporate network in a month now. (sighs) And And you're not patched. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And so not only is it... um, Recently, hitting recent attacks, but also there, you know, could be a long lapse, especially for for business travelers in, in general. Yeah, you're, right? you're touching on two points. Actually, one is patch
1: management, which uh, you know is a huge pain in the ass for uh, the IT administrator to ensure that you're patched because he's not the boss of you. And uh, the other one is remediation because the problem is when you get when you do get uh, infected, it is then his job to fix your laptop, right? And so the idea is if you if you have an architecture that shrugs off attacks. It lets you remain unpatched for as long as you need in order to be productive. But also, uh, when the attack does come, it doesn't force the IT guy to then drop everything he's doing and spend the time and efforts and resources with fixing your laptop. You know? So just think about it in terms of what
2: people do today. Well, actually, go back. Let me think of the data center before before VMware, because mm-hmm. the enterprise data center is VMware. You know, people used to install software on servers and then applications and then rack them and stack them. Okay, great. Now, now they're all agile, efficient, power-sensitive, cool, highly available, and blah, right? Okay, okay. so they're strategic. But look at, the, look at the, the endpoint practices. I mean, what does the endpoint security guy do? He waits for an alarm, and then he goes and reinstalls window. Mm-hmm. I mean, how strategic is that? What does the guy do who's you know, responsible for patching? On Patch Tuesday, he rushes into the office and tries to get patches out to thousands of desktops, which are vulnerable. And you know, this is all just broken. By the way, you might have DLP software in there. By the way, if I compromise the desktop, no. DLP is done. Right. Okay. Not right. helping at all. And desktop virtualization is certainly a better architecture in many respects. That is, if the data isn't leaving the data center, you know, you can reason about compliance. But the attack would occur. Right. on a virtual desktop no matter where it's running on sure. in a server you know or, or on, the, on the client so the, the real problem there is a problem with humanity which is that in if you're if you're IT and you face this risk what are you going to do one one thing you can do is just build big walls around the enterprise so you're only allowed to go to trusted places or do this right. but no matter what you do there is nothing you can do to stop that attack so for example you know the poisoned attachment which shows up people have to open attachments because otherwise they can't do their work And so, that doesn't help. And so, people have to deal with the untrusted world. You have to go to untrusted sites. You have to deal with this. You have to plug in USB keys. And when you do, you are at risk. And so, if you accept that and go and build an architecture which is specifically designed to deal with that, to design... Designed to deal with our human frailties, right? Right. Deal with right. the unknown attack. Then you have a better shot of it. And that's sure. the approach i taking.
0: And and after seeing the product too, one thing is, you know, if you get a chance, definitely go look at a demo because the one thing that's really interesting to me about it too is we were talking earlier that the, the concept of. I'll, I'll use the phrase, you know, sig- signal-to-noise to ratio, right? We, we were talking about if it's just a, a desktop with a whole bunch of processes right. and there is something bad in there, well, weeding out exactly what that is may right. be difficult. But what you're almost introducing is, through the micro VMs, the uh, the concept of swim lanes, right. of everything yeah, yeah. stays in That's and exactly. it's very That's very easy one. to follow... Exactly where you are and, yeah, and what we're one steal thing that, does. By the thing okay. does. <laughs> there you no, go. Yeah. And so
2: uh, if you think about it this way, I mean, look, think back to when VMware bought Determiner, right? Mm-hmm. They popped out this notion of introspection. The pro- and other, other folks have, have been toying with introspection. The problem is that with a whole operating system and all of its applications and all of its threats, it's way too murky. Yes. Moreover, on a desktop, uh, when you plug in a USB key, we're patching the kernel to put some drivers in. Right. Okay. Is that an attack? Right. Well, it could be, but it might not be. <laughs> right. 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 Yeah. 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 So yeah well, what to do? Yeah.
1: So really, the, the challenge there is that it's, it's impossible to tell. I also think as we move to the cloud, right? I mean, I think, I, even I can't tell the difference, even if I, even if I try, the difference between malware and, and adware. <laughs> like you know, what I mean? right. 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 <laughs> I, yeah. I can't. You know, it looks exactly the same, and I think the software is just becoming more and more blobby. Yeah. Right, and so by that I mean it's, yeah. you know, it's, it's just pieces of code. Some of them are in the cloud. Some of them yeah. are using other services. And so, you know, it's, it's it's getting harder and harder for you if for you as an application or as an operating system to identify right from wrong. Yep. You know. Yeah. And, so, and, and ultimately, it's undecidable. So the, right. I mean, the primary architecture basically says,
2: look, it is undecidable whether a thing is going to attack me or not. And by the way, we knew this, right, because we're all engineers, and we all went to and we, we heard about the halting problem when we were in college, right? Okay, yep. great. So we know that this is no solved problem. And I think what's happened is that Moore's Law has stacked up so badly against the traditional approach of AV. Sure. That basically at the end of it, Moore's Law is basically the bad guy has all of the cloud right. Right, to generate right. new attacks. Yes. And, you know... The, and the .dat file is 100 megabytes. How are you gonna get, yeah. So there's, there's some constants in there which make the whole problem unsolvable. Sure, sure. And so, you know, so we we have a, a paradigm failure and it's time for a paradigm shift. And so what we're trying to do here is essentially say, well, gosh, if you have this very small code base, which you add late to a system, in other words, not part of the system that came from Microsoft or from Apple or whatever, you have this tiny little code base that arrives late, but it is the most privileged software on the system. Then, and it's and it has no goal to be an operating system. It's just gonna be in the way anytime any task wants to get to hold of a file or a network or any device or deal with a user or put anything in the clipboard. There is no way to get there without this thing getting in charge. Sure. Okay. And it's tiny, and all it's gonna do is implement mandatory access controls. right? Okay? think SE Linux mandatory access controls. That's kind of what it is, right? So you have at that opportunity, you have uh, an ability to implement policies which are aware of the application and what it should be doing. Right. So, for example, if I'm opening a PDF document, you know, no PDF documents that I use get to talk to the internet. It's just not on. Okay. And you think about that in the context of traditional endpoint security. You know, your your network security widgets right they might see a connection request from my pc to the internet they wouldn't know there was a pdf document right. that sent it right exactly before we right up in the face of the app and the pdf doc says hey dns please resolve me this thing
0: at that point you can say no and and you get a very good idea right and so, and to combine it back into some of the some of the things i saw in the demo and so so what tal did in the demo that i, I just saw was um, one thing was we went to a website that is a potentially bad website that would download some malware in the background to your laptop. Yep. And just by visiting the website, you are infected. Right. And if you combine that with the, um, the PDF right. earlier, and so if you had a PDF with a bad link, you click the bad link, you go to the bad website, poof. Yeah, right. right. Exactly. Right. And so to combine those two together, well, th- that action of the PDF and going to the website you would actually block that. Well, well so so or, actually, or throw actually, it away. And we right, block so, it. so here's the Two point. things would happen. Well, yeah, yeah, I, go I, ahead, go I, ahead. So run us through. all excited. The key thing <laughs> is <laughs> nobody
2: can decide whether that's good or bad. Without Microsoft doing user
0: access control, okay, 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 which no one ever does. Well,
2: they, right. they, just click, they just click OK. <laughs> yes. Right. <laughs> but, but even that, right, so the user is accustomed to UAC and always clicks OK. So the, the key principle here is that it's undecidable. Yes. Okay. And so if it's undecidable, then you still have to, and I still have to protect you. That is, even at the point at which you're done, I still may not know whether it was good or bad. Okay. Right. And so what you have to do is isolate and make sure that at no point in its execution can something which is untrustworthy get access to privileged data, privileged yes. networks, devices, the user the keyboard, yes. clipboard, anything else, right? So essentially that's the architecture rather than something which says I have to detect. So really Bromium has decoupled this notion of detection from protection Yep. because if you think about the traditional approach, you have to detect something in order to then block it. That detection problem has become severe. So either you get lots of false positives or you let the bad guy through. Yep. And if you don't require that you detect to protect, then you have some really interesting opportunities.
0: And, and that, tell me a little bit about, on, on the back end, we were talking about earlier, the, the policies, if you will, in that well, decision Well, I will. There's, there's just one quick thing I wanted to say. So go, go, go ahead. In your
1: scenario, yes. uh, were you to do that, so yep. you have, we've downloaded a malicious PDF document, or how about a PDF document that contains a link to a malicious site. Yes. By clicking on that link yourself, mm-hmm. um, you just start a new microbe. Yep. You see what I'm saying? It's a new yes. task. So, right. So basically we've taken the- A new swim lane. Right. The right. new swim lane uh, is created now, where, and that swim lane has, does have access to the internet. Yep. The PDF document does not. The PDF yes. document lives in a micro-VM that doesn't have a network. Yes. Yep. So that it, it thinks it's on a PC without a NIC. Right. You know? Yep. When you click on that link, it spawns off a new micro-VM yep. that happens to be a browser window. Sure. Browser. But that browser window,
2: because it's untrusted- has connectivity only to the untrusted internet. Mm -hmm. It cannot send a directly addressed IP datagram or resolve a DNS query to anything that I hold in high value. My internet, any of my trusted sites or anything high value to me like Mm -hmm. Salesforce.com. It just cannot do it. And so it can chit-chat with it's botnet for all at once. So I don't care. Right. And
0: and, you're, and what you're effectively doing is you're taking a, a, a workflow, right, and breaking it down into very very granular pieces. you're Kind of chunking yes. it up, and, right? And, and so and, then and each of those chunks have right. unique characteristics. Exactly. that Can access resources or can yep. access yes. resources based on the yep. that yep.
2: chunk. And so the, and so the challenge in doing this is to do it in such a way you you can peel back this notion of trust. I want to be maximally distrustful. And I don't want to mess up the user experience. Sure. Because you can imagine if you distrust everything, it could get really horrible. And you also don't want to create complex new management practices or tools for IT. Yep. I mean, if I give you a better system, why would it require more management? Okay. So what we've managed to do thus far, Bromim, is for the chief vulnerable apps, right? So all the vulnerable mime types, the sorts of things where you're going to get docs off of USB keys, yep. you know, web, mail attachments, and so on. Um, and for a trustworthy experience there, the user experience doesn't change, mm-hmm. and there is no new management tool whatsoever. Right. So all you're doing for, to deploy vCenter is you deploy it as an MSI. Yep. It's late load, notice, right? Yep. You drop it onto onto Windows Desktop. We jump down, grab VT, and do some magic. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you write simple policies using ADGPOs. Okay. And that's all it is. Yep. So, and, the, and the, the 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 goal here is to define stuff that you trust, yep. not not stuff you don't, because you you want to be maximally distrustful. Right. So, what do you trust? You trust update dot Microsoft.com mm-hmm. say, yep, or whoever is going to push you or patches, and then the least possible after that. That is, you know, there are a few sites that you trust. Maybe you trust some apps on your internet, right? On your intranet. And then there will be other sites that are of high value to you. When okay. you are talking to your consumer bank or when you're interacting with salesforce.com, mm-hmm. what you want is you want the micro BM to be locked down in such a way that it can only ever send packets to that far site. Okay. No, no data going off into the end, so no cross-site scripting or any of that sort of stuff. Notice that that also means that Facebook doesn't get to follow you through the browser into your salesforce Great. session, right? And so, naturally, the system then just divides itself up. So you're, your you're protecting us all from Zuckerberg. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah. I think he has enough problems. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're not kidding. He's the right? business model. <laughs> but um, anyway, so, so that the cool thing about that is I could say, okay, great. An enterprise employee attached to the physical network in the enterprise could be on Facebook. Still not ever threaten the rest of the corporate network. And they can be accessing some regulatory compliant network or application. Yep. And these things are never going to talk to each other. Right?
0: Yep. Very nice. And, and probably to just cover the, the super obvious, but it's one of those questions. I was like, oh, wait, I don't know the answers. So this is Windows yeah. today?
2: Windows. Windows today, Mac's yep. coming. Yep. Well, okay. Yeah. Right. And uh, yeah, But I mean, the broader the technology applies to anything that is hardware virtualization. Right, so, of course. Yeah, of course. So we'll, we'll go there in the future. And um, it's a general purpose hypervisor.
1: And so, you know, it would work server-side as well. Yeah. I mean, there's lots of things we're, you know, playing with. And, and also to speak further a little bit on policy, right? Yep. There's some things that'll come out, that will come out of the box. But, you know, because, because this is a hypervisor, mm-hmm. you know, there's going to be a lot of you know a lot of API controlled stuff. We we recognize that people are going to want to have different uh, you know access levels for you know for some things and some people and use different management right. consoles. So use like different do consoles. Yes, traditional so, security management. I, mean, sure. I I think one of the the beautiful things of having you know uh, the the experience of, of Zen uh, you know behind us is is this notion of you know API centric mm-hmm. design. Yep. You know, very focused on the idea to yes. make it to make it easy make it easy to manage make it easy to extend make it you know make yeah. it easy to, to build your own your own stuff on top of it too sure. if you want so it, you know like i said this product is going to be you know v-, v century is going to be awesome at protecting you from zero days and giving you a deep analysis into mm-hmm. what happens but let's say that you decide that you want to add additional functionality on top of it. Let's say, you know, there's, there's all sorts of APIs associated that you could just, you know, build into. If you want to monitor it using Splunk, right. if you want to monitor it using whatever, you know, just plug into it. And so uh, we're hoping to see a lot more of that.
0: Very cool. And kind of throw you a softball here sure. too. Well, when we were talking about those policies, so talk a little bit about, okay, but going back to I'm the remote user, I yeah, hardly okay. ever check in. How do those policies get dispersed? So, um, so AD, these are AD GPO. So for somebody right. who's off domain, you I
2: mean, yes, okay. Just it's basically just a cached local XML file. Okay, so, okay. So there's no you can do either way. Oh, okay. I'm actually not on domain. That's my normal way of working, but right. it works both ways. Okay,
1: yeah. I mean, I think that again, because, um, but because the technology is, you know, is architected to specifically work in the most untrusted scenarios. Yep. That's the idea. That's how we build it. One, so they, thing,
2: one thing we didn't mention is how you would patch a system like this. Sure. And you just use whatever you use today. Yeah. Yeah. So, yep. Straight from Microsoft or from SCCM. Right. So it's,
0: it's really from the ground up designed to build into whatever tools you use today, yep. both to yes. manage and deploy. Yeah. Yes.
1: Nobody wants another console. Right. 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 Exactly. So I mean, I mean, exactly. There's a, and, and, you know, that's, it, it's funny because you were just run into all these uh, a lot of people were asking what the admin console looks like and we're like, what are you using to manage Windows today? You know, right. Yeah. <laughs> just, just tell us what you yeah, want. You know what I mean? like, why do you need us to do that for you? You've already figured out what works for you, right? Yes.
2: So it's also I mean it's it's also strange I mean for a startup to go and throw a whole bunch of effort at building another management console and try to make a beautiful one. Right. Line. It's a waste of time really. Yeah. So you know, we're basically focusing on building a better system and uh we'll see where we go from there.
0: Very cool, very cool. Anything else we want to talk about before we wrap this up? Well,
2: we, we mentioned we, we touched on this notion of, of introspection. I just mm-hmm. want I think it's very important to to point out that that this you know VMware was when they bought Determiner they had this great idea which is essentially you could look at a VM from the outside yeah. and, and and I firmly believe that the hypervisor is ultimately the the determiner of whether something is secure or not. That just it owns all the all the hardware. It owns all the memory. It better be able to figure it out. Yep. That is ultimately, I think VMware has to go further into security, mm-hmm. um, but to do so on a whole VM is very hard. Yeah. Um, and, but then when you have this very granular confines of a micro VM uh, in the swim lanes, you have this, you know, this perfect ability to actually spot stuff, right? it's, it's spot yeah. crazy things, and it's augmented with this task-specific notion of what is reasonable to expect. Sure. Sure, so, I mean,
0: and, and and to take that back around when you we were doing the demo, like you were, it was almost the concept of okay, you can watch exactly what they do and really kind right. of step through and yeah. and so I, I apologize, I forgot what the, what, the lava, lava. was. Okay, so visualization. Yeah, so, tell us visualization. so, so, yeah, so <laughs> right? the key thing. Tell is, us about
2: lava here. So just to be very clear we don't think that this competes with the traditional endpoint security technology and tools. We're not trying to do that, right? It, yep. That is, this is designed to detect things that nobody can detect because you don't get a signature or the guy's got some permutation on the existing attack. And so the goal here is to augment the intelligence that we give to the security team, the IR team, This the, and the intelligence that we can produce because these micro VMs, uh, remember we own the clock, in point in time we can stop it, so by the time you get to the point where something is very definitely attacking the system, you have a full trace of exactly what it's done. You know where it came from, what it was targeting, how it went for the user, and everything else. So you have this full uh, exploit analysis, and you can basically stop the clock. Hand it off to the security team, and they can use that to protect the rest of the enterprise by programming you know all their firewalls and everything else. Sure. And so you get this, uh, you get all of the intelligence that you'd normally get with forensic. Experts after the fact, who mm-hmm. would then spend right. hours and hours and hours on a separate network trying yep. to st- st- step
0: their yeah, way. Through. You're not only preventing something from happening, but at the same time, you're performing an analysis on it that can result in an action to prevent future right. ones. Right. All in one. Yep. Yes.
1: Very nice. And you know the, the thing I wanted to touch base on. Uh, so when we talk to people about this, you know, because this is. De- and I have the same problem with the way NetScaler. When I, when I talk to people about NetScaler, they always said, oh, it's just another load balancer, right? It's like, <laughs> well, not really. So you know, when you, people just want to associate it with things that they're familiar with, you know? And so a lot of times when we talk about this technology, people associate it with sandboxing. And I just want to take just a quick moment to talk about that because I think that, uh, you know, I think sandboxing is a, is a great, uh, actually, technology for managing applications and, and uh, for deploying them. But, you know, I think that when you actually, the way we work, uh, the fact that we spin up a micro VM for every single task, not for our application, yeah. not for a process, right. you know what I mean. It's for every task, which is a specific workflow right. that you go through, you execute, and then you get out of. Right, and then we do hundreds. Yeah, and, of these, and right? a
0: quick, quick. For instance, again, going back to the demo here earlier, we we went to a website and it was a redirect, you know, just Bitly, right. right. And and that actually yeah, created yeah. a micro VM for Bitly, and right. then a, and then another micro VM for the yeah, end. So trust right. right, so you had an application who was going to a site, but because it went to another site, it created two micro VMs. Right. So yeah. really, really, really yeah. granular um, yes. to go to your point. Right. So that's the I mean. So, so
1: in that. a sandboxing scenario, you would have to literally create eight browsers to right. do what we did. Right. I mean, it's like, and it's not sustainable. How many how many VMs? If you if you're actually doing heavy VMs or or legacy VMs, how many of those could you have on a single device? Uh, you'd have to create eight VMs to run eight instances of Internet Explorer.
0: Right. Yeah, uh, but it,
1: and more important,
2: as importantly, imagine you just put the browser in a VM or something, which by the way, every one of us has been doing forever, right? right. So every one of us has had <laughs> Parallels or fusion or something, yeah. right? And then you, know, you have this one particular thing that you use just to go to your bank. Yeah. Right, okay. So the problem there is if you get attacked in that, then the attacker stays and then they follow you wherever else you go next. So you know you have to do it at this super granular level, otherwise it doesn't really offer you much protection, sure that is or or else you've got them pretending you can't detect the bad guy right, which you've got yes,
0: and that that circles back around and we we covered it extensively in episode forty two of the the concept of the copy on write and right and when the task or workflow is over, that micro VM is tossed. Yes. Yes, and and so, so like you're, to take that banking scenario, banking in a VM, and that VM is compromised scenario, well, it's, it's compromised for all time. Right. But in this scenario, even if that, something like that happens, it, it is effectively, it's it, that copy-on-write technology kicks in and it's yes. tossed when the task is done. Co- so so you're able to, right. to prevent yourself, even if something does happen, right. for future.
2: So there are a couple of other things just to, to think about. Um, when we're dealing with trust, you know, um, you walked in here, you pop open your your laptop, and you and you browse somewhere, right? So you're you're in a hotel. Mm-hmm. Well, you know what's happening there is the infrastructure is lying to you. You go HTTP, yeah. you know, mybank.com. <laughs> well, you know, what happens? The, the little hof- the hotel router thing says, oh, yep, that's me. Yeah. Okay. And that's okay if you're in a nice, friendly hotel, but if you're somewhere else, it might not be. Right. And so the moment that you, we're trying to build a bastion of trust. Great, we start with one machine. The moment that machine reaches out to do anything, that is most applications we deal with nowadays reach out to something out there, yes. you have to be able to solve the problem of what can I trust. And ultimately, at any point, as you start to communicate with the outside world, it can attack you. Okay. And that means you could have an unfriendly DNS, you could have you know, all sorts of attacks there. And so, ultimately, you have to be able to reach out to something on the far side that you trust. As a, and the, that's a solution to the Byzantine generals' problem.
0: Um, and um, you know, also covered in episode forty. Right. <laughs> and, and so, you and
2: you've got to reach out to something like a DNSSEC. Yes. You know, DNS, and and you've got to be able to enumerate it and be sure that that's somebody that you're going to trust, and then you can go. Right. So it's very, it's you know, the, the deeper we've gone into this, the harder it is. Give me another one. Um, You know, Tal has an Excel spreadsheet up, you know, and it says there, you know, okay, great, you want to print this. What does it mean to print something that you downloaded from the internet? Because printer attacks happen, right? Right. So we've got to take that thing securely render it into basically a format which cannot attack the enterprise. Yep. Using code that we know has not been compromised yet. And then throw basically pixels at the printer. right? Right. Okay. So anytime you have this domain change from low to high, that is something untrusted is going to go to some part of my infrastructure, which is you know, high privilege, um, or stuff going from high to low, we're in trouble. Well, it's anytime you cross from low to high, if yeah. you copy and paste yep. from low to high, yep. I have to have a view. If it's just text and fonts, okay, but if it's more than that, then what am I going to do? Right? Sure. And it might be asymmetric too. Can I allow you to copy privileged data into something which is untrustworthy, right? And so, you know, you have to basically have hooks across this boundary between low and high, where you can insert an ability to do format conversion and, you know, implement asymmetric policies and a whole bunch of other stuff.
1: Cool.
2: Yeah. Very, very cool.
1: So, like I said, there's lots of challenges ahead, you know, for sure. But I think that, uh, you know, this, this first generation of the product is going to be a really interesting uh, proof point. And awesome. uh, we're really looking forward to seeing
0: We were literally out of time this week. That knock on the door was Simon and Tal heading to their next appointment. So a huge thanks to Simon and Tal for taking the time to speak with us. To find out more about the new vCentury product, you can go to Bromium.com as of today. Um, as for us, uh, we're out of the time, so you can follow us on Twitter at thecloudcastnet or on the web at thecloudcast.net, where you can find links to our Facebook page, our YouTube channel, and links to iTunes, Stitcher, and TuneIn. Thanks for listening.